0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies.
1: You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hey, everybody. I'm Denise Hanitka, and this is a brand new episode of On a Mother Level. Episode 85 is the last in our little dad series that we've been celebrating as part of Father's Day. I just love talking to men and dads as a different energy on the podcast. They bring a different perspective and um, a new view, and I think it's important to celebrate the fact that dads are so important in our kids' lives and in our lives, and so Tim Stopp is my latest guest and my last guest for Dad Month. So Tim Stop is his musician name. Um, In real life, though, he is Tim Stopulus, And he was born and raised in the Quad Cities um, in a big family that he's going to talk about. And he talks about adding another child to his own family. He and his wife have a six-month-old little boy named Luke and an almost three-year-old girl named Kate. And so he talks about how fatherhood has changed him as a professional and as a musician. And I love that he was so honest about the fact that it's a lot harder to write passionate, powerful music when you are in a happy marriage and you're cool being a dad and you're not, you know, young and single and writing songs about heartbreak. So it's a really cool conversation that I have with him today. At the end, we got into this insane topic about whether or not kids look like their dads, especially at birth. And I brought up some insane story about about whether lions can recognize their kids. And so at the end of the episode, I pulled some actual science about whether or not your kids look like the mom, the dad, and is it simply a matter of perception So we'll get into that at the end of the episode. So Tim Stop is coming out with a brand new album that he recorded in his house during the pandemic. We talk a lot about that. And it was cool because we have a lot more in common than I would even have ever expected. We both have these careers where... Success can mean many different things. Success in TV news and in podcasting can be, you know, million and dollar contracts and huge amounts of fame. Same in music, you know, where you can be all over the radio and making bazillions of dollars and living in a mansion, or you can be simply doing what you love and following your passion and finding longevity and success in your own way, on your own path. And so it was cool to exchange notes with him about that. So let's get right to Tim. He was sitting in his side room, surrounded by all of his instruments when we started talking. I was sitting at my kitchen table with my little microphone and computer. And so we started off by talking about the the craziness of realizing what you can do from your home when you're forced to do it, as long as you have the right technology. So here we go with Tim Stop.
0: That, and that's kind of been a cool revelation. I think it was pretty scary for everybody. Like, I did not plan on recording my own album last year, but I realized if you get the right software, you buy the right computer and speakers, you can just do it from your home. You don't need to go to Nashville or, or LA or whatever. You can get pretty good stuff done in your basement or your side room.
1: No kidding, I didn't know the, you did that.
0: Yeah, it's it just finished this week and we're gonna release it in a couple months. So uh, I, I think it came out pretty good. I'm biased, obviously, but it was a fun process. and. But it's, no, it's just no different than anybody else in the last year where like you thought not going to the office, you wouldn't be as productive or you didn't think you would get things done and you realize that actually, you know, we can, you can and it's kind of nicer.
1: I'm assuming that saves you a couple bucks too.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> incred- and not just that, it's like I can do, do it from now on too, right? Like I have everything, I, I know what I'm doing now. So not only did it save tens of thousands of dollars up front, but like moving forward, I can just make my own stuff now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, so tell me about this new album. We're just kind of off and running, if you don't mind.
0: Sure, of course. Um, So it's called Silver Lining. um, And actually, most of the songs were written before 2020. And I started the process like early in the year. And then, (laughs) of course, the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, I had so much time on my hands. All my shows were canceled. Uh, Live music, of course, was like the first thing to just get cut off. So. Uh, I had all this time. I'm like, well, let's get serious about this. So I, um, yeah, I I, di- I dove in, in earnest on this album. And it's n- it's nine songs. Uh, the, the title track is Silver Lining. The album's called Silver Lining. But uh, it was a, a ton of, it was a huge learning pro- uh, process. I didn't know the first thing about Recording, besides, like, oh, you stand in front of the microphone, you push record. I got that part. But there are so many details and levels to re- making an album that I just did not understand. And frankly, that I don't understand still. But enough guessing and checking. Uh, we got it to a place where we're really excited about it. We used um, some incredible musicians. Keith Carlock is one of the foremost drummers in the world. And he agreed to do our album. And it was all remote. Wow. I, kept, I know, I just send him my tracks he would play on them and he'd send them back to us and we'd mix them. And it was the same thing with uh, my buddy, Tim on bass and my guitarist, Michael. So it's crazy how much you can get done over email these days, but it it got all wrapped up this last week and we're going to promote it and release it in the next couple months.
1: So it's like building a cake. You're just adding all of these different layers and contributions and then it becomes a song.
0: Yeah. um, Essentially. And we have ideas that we, um, we had for each instrument. So they kind of knew going ahead, going in what they'd be doing more or less, but they're all so good that you kind of just let them do their own thing. And then you kind of just figure out where they're supposed to go sound wise, where, where it fits in the, the recording. And again, enough, enough time, enough guessing and checking. And I think it's, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> how, how do you
1: describe your vibe? Because I know how I would, but, but how do you, you say it?
0: I, I, I'm not sure I have a good way to do it. I would say it's probably like, piano driven um, pop rock i think that's probably the best way to put it like it's it's definitely pop music but it's i hope it's like a little more sophisticated like there's just a lot of j- jazz harmonies going on in the piano um, it's still fairly straightforward pop rock music but maybe a touch more sophisticated i hope i hope that doesn't sound too like condescending but
1: <laughs> no not at all not at yeah. all
0: so okay, so I'm you wrote forward. all
1: these songs pre-pandemic, but how has fatherhood kind of shaped your songwriting? Has it changed your influences at
0: all? Well, you know, I actually did write a song for my daughter when she was born called Another Big Day, and it was supposed to be on this album, but it didn't make it. Last second, we cut it off. So we're going we're gonna to eventually release that one, but uh, it didn't make the cut. So as far as, I mean, it certainly changes the, the process a little bit. It used to be... I mean, of course, having kids, I think there's not a single part of your life that doesn't change once you've had kids, so it's no different for you know my songwriting, I suppose you know it used to be whenever the mood struck, like I just grab the guitar, or sit the piano and and uh work on my ideas and now it's you know you have to find the right times and you're you're writing in the mornings and the in the afternoons and you're not uh out and about um with all this time on your hands like you used to be so. It certainly uh, shifted my schedule more than anything in terms of influences. (laughs) Yeah, my biggest influences now are Sesame Street and Paw Patrol and those kind of things. I (laughs) did not realize getting into parenting just how much my programming would be hijacked by the kids. It is like whatever they want to listen to is what's being listened to. That might be our fault, but man, yeah, I haven't listened to as much serious music as I should have over the last couple of years. And I blame my kids for that.
1: Yeah. You got to kick out the like cocoa melon, like in your head in order to kind of focus on your sound again.
0: Just the worst stuff. I mean, it's (laughs) listen, it's very nice and they love it. I'm sure it's great for learning, but it gets in your head and does not get out.
1: It's brutal. It's brutal. I really, (laughs) really hate it.
0: Yeah. But they, they figured those cocoa melon people, they figured it out. They know what kids want because they are, they get so locked in. My daughter just won't, her mouth is open for half an hour straight. Locked on repeat and uh they, they love it they're obsessed
1: yeah absolutely okay well that's kind of harsh she you kicked your daughter's song off the album yeah that's, i know that's a tough cut to
0: make i actually really liked the song but it was uh it's just a piano based song there was, we didn't have any other instruments lined up for it so it didn't feel right in the mix um and I, I do actually i wish i had done it sooner because I, there there was a timing piece to it right i mean my daughter was born two years ago uh, I probably should have gotten that song ready and released to kind of go along with that. But I, I didn't, but I still want to get it out eventually. Um, just because it's, it's a really, of all the, the songs that I've written, it's obviously one of the more personal ones. And I think, you know, I, I if you told me five years ago that I'd be writing songs about uh, my daughter or being on a parenting podcast, I'd be like, what, what what happened? What, what are you talking about? But it, it's, it's kind of, that's the, the turn that life's taken. And I think you have to embrace that. And I, Again, I think it's, um, it's fun to get these different, it's not reinventing necessarily, but these different phases of life, embracing those and telling, telling your stories through the music. So I'm I'm definitely want to release that eventually. I just just didn't get around to it this time, unfortunately. Well,
1: it's the evolution, you know, everybody has to evolve in their career and there's all kinds of influences. So I think, I think it's a positive for, for any sort of creative person.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I, I watch some of my favorite artists and a lot of them you know, don't get married. You know, I think it's tough for real big musicians you're going on the road and keeping up, you know, especially if you're trying to have kids. That's a tough life to uh, to balance and a lot of them can't pull it off. So, you know, uh, a lot of them just have girlfriends and they keep writing about the same kind of stuff because they keep going to the same relationship problems. Uh, I don't have that issue. I, I got, you know, I got married, then I had kids. So I had all those different, like, phases. I, I part of me is jealous of them because uh they constantly have that muse working for them they're constantly going through some really hard times I have this great balance in life I feel really stable I'm in a great place so it's not like the, the time, I feel like as an artist you're the times you're most driven to write is when things are really hard like right? you're going through a really tough time and uh I have to kind of search for the things that I want to write about now because I just don't go through those times anymore they just yeah not that parenting's not hard. Of course it is. We know it's one of the hardest things you can do, but it's a different kind of hard, right? Like, it's like, you're not sleeping hard, uh, and you're fighting with children that are, you know, super stubborn. So it's a different kind of hard, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's kind of neat to take these different phases of life and try to turn them into, into inspiration and music.
1: Okay. So tell the audience about your kids. You have two, a boy and a girl.
0: Yeah. Uh, I got a two-year-old named Kate. She's going to be three next month and she's wonderful. Uh, they're both wonderful, obviously. And then Luke is six months. And uh, yeah, so we had we had Kate when we were in Kansas City. We moved uh, to, to Chicago shortly thereafter. And then the pandemic kicked in. So I'm sure anybody who has young kids uh, right now feels my pain. It's just, I don't think we really, the sample size is not fair. Like we don't really know what it's like to have a normal life with little kids because we've all been shut in for the last year and things are starting to change a little bit. And we're kind of recalibrating, but um, it's been a, a wild experience, obviously. I I think I would characterize it by saying that it's much harder than I thought it would be and also much easier. And what I mean by that is like, so to give you some background on my experience with babies, I was never a kid person. I was never a baby person. Okay. My siblings ha- I come from a pretty big family, one of six. You know, I had a lot of nieces and nephews. My friends had kids and I always was really excited for them, but I never got, um, I never got too attached. I never like did a lot of baby holding. I never, I, I and I feel bad about that. But now that I know what, how much they mean to the parents, especially, but, um, I, I guess I would say that, like, I just looked at them like, you know, they're kind of just blobs. Like they, they, they aren't people yet. Yeah. I was an, I was an idiot of course, but I, at that point in my life, I'm like, oh, that's great. You have a baby. That's cool. So what else is going on? And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then it kind of like, once we once we found out we were pregnant it hit me like oh this is going to happen to me now i am not ready for this and it was so daunting because i hadn't practiced with anybody else's kids uh my first diaper that i changed was my daughter's diaper and so i started reading books trying to brush up and figure out like all right what's this parenting thing about like what do i have to do how's this going to work and i feel like it doesn't really matter how much you read you're, you're still you're not no. gonna be prepared yeah so we had the child and i was terrified that i would have no idea how to, to deal with this kid And then you realize as you, you kind of just like, yeah, there's there's like a breaking in period where you have to get used to the process. But once you do the things that you were scared of, like, how do I take care of a child? Like the feeding, the, are we doing this right? Like that stuff actually comes pretty naturally. Like you just have that relationship with your child. And that's what I was going to say. I was so very wrong about the moment my daughter was born. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is she's locked in, her eyes are wide open, she's observing everything we're doing. This is not just a blob, like this is this is a little person that's watching every last move that we make and is taking it all in and clearly super intelligent. And I, I so I missed the boat terribly on that. And I feel bad that I wasn't like more locked in and tuned to that when my, uh, my siblings and friends were having babies before this. I am now though, thankfully, so I've changed, but.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think that there's anything to feel guilty about because I mean, moms say it too. Like sometimes mom's dirty little secret is that we're not actually baby people. We don't actually love every stage. And I think it's even harder for dads because you're kept at this distance of, you know, you're not carrying the baby. You're not, you know, locked into all the changes in your body and all of that stuff. So I think, I think that's actually a probably pretty common dad feeling where it's like, there's just a natural distance from the process.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that's probably true, and to, and I'm gonna respond to that in a second. But to get back to my point about it being hard and easy, so that's yeah. that. That was the part that I thought was easier, like just kind of getting used to like the the ins and outs of parenting. But the hardest part, it's not that like, so billions of people have done this right over the course of time. So that was always my like uh, calming thought. Is that, you know what, we're doing this. Billions of people have done it. We can do it too. It's not rocket science. Yeah. It you don't have to be an intellectual elite to do this. But then you get into it and you realize, well, that's not the hard part. The hard part is that they are now a part of every last uh, sector of your life. Like there's nothing that they don't touch anymore. The 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 long nights, the uh, the just kind of like the emotional side of it. That was way harder than I expected. Like I didn't, ex- I didn't really think that it would affect me as much as it did. But yeah, the the long nights they're they're not easy. And so, so yeah, it's it's been a lot easier in certain ways, and a lot harder than I expected. And it's definitely, uh, it's as I said earlier, it's just kind of changed every every facet of of life for us.
1: And then did it all change again when you add the second?
0: Um. It does. The dynamic changes. I think. I mean, you, you know this. You've done it too. Um, but the that daunting feeling wasn't there for us. I don't think because it's like, okay. oh, we've done we've done this. Like, yeah, it's an extra kid, but we at least we know what we're doing. Um, I we were really excited to have a second, just because we wanted. We saw Kate played with her cousins, and we wanted to give her that. You know, her own best friend here in the home. Uh, so we were anxious to get. Um, a second one for, as a sibling for Kate. So we, we were more excited than anything. I, I would probably be a little scared to go for three and three and four. And we don't know what we're going to do yet. Yeah. Uh, Just because uh, that sounds like another layer of work. And I've seen this, like I came from one of six. My mom came from a family of eight. So I know it can be done. My brother's got five. Um, They, they, they can pull it off. It can be done, but it just sounds so, so much work. It sounds like so much effort uh, and I, I've been told that if you have four, it doesn't change after four, like because the oldest ones start pitching in. Like there's like this balance that is struck. Didn't you just do a podcast with somebody who had, who had eight too? Yeah, yeah, eight. And, and how, what did she say about that? Was it is it a similar thought?
1: Yeah, so she they kind of felt like a nice roundness at six, That's, and okay, they were going to like stop six. at six, um, and then they. They had the seventh and then they sort of felt like, well, seven, you know, number seven's kind of like tailing out here three years younger than the rest. So we better have eight so that <laughs> seven has a friend.
0: That's incredible. Good yeah. for them. Good for them. I, I don't I can't picture it. But I guess it's one of those things that kind of just one piece at a time, one kid at a time, and it just adds up. And the next thing you know, like you can handle it.
1: Yeah, exactly everybody just handles it, which is just amazing to me because we just got back from a family vacation in Florida. And I felt like we were maxed out with our two, you know, we had our two and they're pretty high maintenance right now. And, and we had the conversation of what would we do if there was a third person here? Like who would be taking care of that person? Totally. (laughs) And obviously we would do it, but yeah, it feels incredibly daunting.
0: Do you guys Um, know, do you guys know yet?
1: No, I don't, I don't think we really know. It's, it's hard the farther away we get from baby stage because Everett's over two now, Yeah, you know, the, the farther it gets away, the harder it is to imagine going backwards, but you know, like I've always just kind of let the universe decide and that's so great that's that's where we're at right now I would and say. you guys are
0: both pretty busy I imagine so like you know that baby just it's so much time isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a lot it's a lot and you know like to be real frank I don't necessarily think I want to be pregnant during like the first summer of Mm. normalcy you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like i'm gonna (laughs) you deserve to enjoy that (laughs) yeah so if we want to if we want to talk about really being a selfish person
0: um i don't think that's the case
1: can we go back to luke really quick because um i saw a blurb of when you announced that he was born and he has a cool story behind his name is that right oh
0: yeah so both of and this is not something we planned on but both of our uh kids have my grandparents as one of my grandparents as their name so kate's middle name is reinhold and she'll probably hate us for that eventually nah. because it's a it's a, a german name it's by so my grandfather on my mother's side his name was carl uh, alphonse reinhold leapshire and he was uh one of my favorite people in the world he lived just long, long enough to meet kate and then he passed away and he's one of my inspirations he's one of the best people i've ever known and i wanted to Give him that. I thought it was a nice gift that I could give to him. And uh, even though it's not really a girl's name, but he was so, so thrilled by it. Um. And I, I I need to look this back up, but he he came to us with like a printed out version of what Reinhold means in German. It's something like one who is loved or something like that. I, I'll look that back up. But he um was so, so thrilled that I, I thought well this is this is a good thing. Maybe we should try it again. So with Luke, he was born on Veterans Day, I believe is what it was. Yeah. Um, Veterans Day? No, it was 11 11. Which day was that? No, it was um, the end of the war. So what is that V Day? Yeah. Anyway, it was the end. It was the 11th day, 11th hour, end of World War II. And my grandmother on my father's side, and my grandfather for that matter, they're both vets in the Second World War. And we thought it would be nice to tribute um, my grandmother on my father's side by taking her maiden name, which is Sullivan, and using it for Luke's middle name. Uh, we thought Luke Sullivan actually rolled off quite nice, a little better than Kate Reinhold, at least. So, yeah, that's why we went. eleven eleven uh, tribute to his grandmother, who is serving the first. Actually, she was the first woman's Marine, and she's from Iowa. In, in Iowa, um, so we thought it'd be a great a great way to be able to pay tribute to her.
1: That's incredible! Yeah, what a well, what a cool piece of family history.
0: Yeah, it was easy for us. I didn't. She did the hard part. I mean, she was. i yeah. uh, I said the name my my son. That part was easy.
1: Okay, so the other story I want you to tell is um, how you did a, you did a concert overseas.
0: Oh, For troops in Afghanistan.
1: Yeah. I don't think it, I've ever heard that story. Was it Afghanistan?
0: It was, it was in Jordan, actually. Okay. So we're right in the middle there, but um, we were, had been out, let's see, we had just been out on tour in 2019 and Memorial Day was coming up and we got the opportunity through a friend of ours who had a brother stationed in Jordan. To go out and entertain the troops out there, and we thought, well, I'm not, you know, this is could be a once in a lifetime thing. Let's let's do it. Um, so my guitarist and I flew to Jordan and stayed on base there with the troops for I want to say two or three days. You know, living in the barracks there it was it was such a cool, eye opening experience because I didn't, you know, like you have ideas of what it what life is like on a base, but until you've done it, you really don't know. Yeah. and you realize just how remote they are, are just like the the surroundings uh they live in like and Jordan's friendly enough but the middle east certainly isn't to Americans in general so uh it's it, it was a really eye-opening experience and they were the troops were so uh grateful that we made it out there that it was it just made it so easy for us um so we get to meet in all sorts of incredible people see the way of life they have over there um even if it's just temporary And, uh, and and then I flew to Paris and met my wife for a couple days. So it was a win-win. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Well, tell me, tell me about the concert. Tell me about performing in that environment. So
0: they have, um, I guess it's like a, like a rec room. It's a huge center, but it's like a bar, they have ping pong and billiards. They have a, a theater and it's all in this big open room and then they have a stage for concerts. And, uh, I don't know how much live music they get maybe once a month or so. Um, but they, oh man, they, they ate it up. I think they were just thrilled to have a slice of home come visit them. And we played, we played a few of our songs and then a lot of like requests, whatever they asked for. And by the end of the night, we were getting a ton of requests and they were, they, they seemed really thrilled, like genuinely thrilled to have something that, you know, it's so easy to take for granted over here. Not anymore so much because we haven't had live music in so long, but at that point, uh, it was, it was really neat to see, um, them just connect to it as much as they did
1: yeah well and even being a midwestern guy people probably thought that was like felt close to home for some of them
0: yeah there, there were a lot of uh i don't know if there was as many islands but there was definitely a lot of midwesterners a lot of people from uh you know were in chicago so there was a lot of connections there too and they were they were surprised that we made that big a trip out to see them and i thought well man this is easy you guys again you guys are doing all the hard work us flying out here to, to meet you guys and entertain you is is nothing compared to, to what they do, you know? Yeah. So we were happy to do it. Did
1: you meet anyone um, that sticks with you?
0: Um, you know, we, we have stayed in touch with a couple of them. Uh, you know, obviously certain people were were really uh, tuned in to what we were doing. And we, we stayed in touch over the last uh, couple of years. And my friend's brother has stayed in touch as well. And we would, you know, if the opportunity came up again, we would gladly make it, make another trip, assuming that, you know, my wife will let me <laughs> go yeah. and that, that we have multiple yeah. kids. Yeah. And that is certainly another dynamic altogether is like just the idea of being gone for a, a, a long stretch with, with two kids. It's different than with just one. Like, there's so much more to do around here. So it's, it's, uh, it's tough. So I'm glad that I took the opportunity to get over there while I could.
1: Yeah. And so that came around the time that you were out touring with Chicago. Is that right?
0: Yeah, we had just done a, a full stretch, like a month, with Chicago. Uh, all That was, um, I think, mostly Midwest, but that was in May of 2019. And um, we we actually cut that tour uh, short because this came up and we didn't want to miss it. So we missed the last few shows with Chicago to fly out to uh, to Amman and drive to the base. So we, we uh, were disappointed that we couldn't do it all. But... Um, we were able to get back after that, and we did our own tour, uh, our own like headlining tour late in 2019, and we had okay. obviously big plans for for last year that uh, <laughs> that never came to fruition. But that's the case for every music. no one no one's schedule, at least on the music side of things, when it's planned in 2020, right?
1: No. What was? Do you remember like what your last planned show was like, or did you even realize at the time that that, that no. was going to be it for a minute?
0: I didn't because um, we didn't have much in. January, February, 2020, and that was at that point, no one knew anything was happening. So we really, um, I think the last time I played was probably over the holidays in 2019. I can't even tell you what it was because it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, this is the last time we're gonna play for a while, so let's enjoy it. I wish I had, but yeah. um, no, things started like I think right around, right around mid March is when all the cancellations started coming in, and then the venues started getting shut down. So we, I couldn't even tell you what the last one was, um, but we had. We ended up playing one show in 2019. outside of, that's not totally true because we did a, a little tour called, uh, it's called the Tim Stops at Your House tour, which is- Yeah, like, I
1: was gonna ask you about that because I thought that was so clever.
0: Uh, thanks. Uh, Cause it, was, it had been like, I don't know, six or seven months in the pandemic. I felt like people were just getting really antsy and, and like, was there any way we could make something work? Because I think people were just dying for something to happen, something different, uh, change of pace. So we came up with this little idea to just do backyard shows, socially distanced, uh, masked and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think we didn't have a maximum amount of people, but there was never much more than like 20 spread out. So uh, we went to people's backyards and uh, we even did one outside of the amphitheater. But other than that, that, that was the only tour we did. That was so much fun too, because uh because of the the circumstances because we didn't think we were going to play any shows at all in 2020 the fact that people were willing to to bring us into their homes and willing to give this a try and as far as i could tell every everybody was safe so that's that felt like a big success even though they were small shows um it was it was just nice to get back out and and see people because it had been so i think we take again we took it for granted before that and we'll probably take it again take it for granted again but those six months, you know, right when it started when you couldn't see anybody, those are tough. So it was great yeah. to get out and and be able to connect with people and bring friends together for even just a night, you know?
1: Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the time that you spent on the road with Chicago? Do you have any like favorite memories of that time?
0: Oh boy. Well, I've done so many tours with them. I've done probably five or six now. I started touring okay. with them in twenty, in 2012 and we've done so many tours that I'm trying to picture one moment that really stuck out. One that sticks out now is um, in 2019, the first tour I did as a father was with Chicago and my full band. And we, uh, I think it was in Indianapolis, Kate and Maria came to the show and came backstage. And I actually was able to uh, walk Kate out onto the stage. And she was just this little little thing. I'm sure I have a picture somewhere. I'll have to find that for you. Uh, And the crowd just seemed to love it. I mean, who doesn't love seeing a little baby? So it was really fun to bring her out and kind of share that moment with her. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of other um, moments like that that I uh, am forgetting. Another big one was being able to play at Red Rocks because that's just a bit of a...
1: Oh my gosh. I've never been there, but like to play there. Wow.
0: I hadn't been there either. And you know, I feel like it's one of these things where it might be so hyped that it could be overblown that that was my concern but it's not like i got out there it it is as as good as advertised um that's kind of how i felt about the grand canyon too it's like you hear so much about the grand canyon you see pictures it's like oh that's cool but then you go out there and see it you're like oh my gosh it's kind of similar with red rocks when you get out there it's just so unique and it's so uh naturally beautiful that um so i played the show which was again just a you such a unique experience because there's no other place like it uh it was sold out the crowd was um so generous to me as I I was opening for two of their favorite bands probably so they they were so uh gracious with me and they they were so attentive it was it was a thrill to play there and then I went out and watched Chicago's set from the crowd and I actually enjoyed that even more because when you're up in the crowd you're looking down on the stage you're seeing the sunset over these you know beautiful rock formations uh it is a really really neat experience. So I highly recommend getting out there.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Do you have a like bucket list place that you still want to play yet that you haven't?
0: Hmm. I mean, that, that was the obvious one before I played there. Okay. Um Gosh, great question. I don't, but I'm going to, but I'm going to find one now. I'm going to go, I'm going to go create a bucket list <laughs> <laughs> after our conversation. Cause there's so many great ones. Like, you know, if, if you're, if you could play Alpine Valley, right, or the Gorge or, you know, Albert Hall or Carnegie Hall, any of these absolutely iconic and uh, historic venues, I I wouldn't say no to any of them. So yeah. I'll have to figure out which one is on um, top of my list and then make it happen, I guess.
1: Okay, so obviously you're still figuring it out, especially, you know, because of the last year and, and adding Luke to the family when, when you go on tour next, do you think the whole family will come? Is that what you would want? Or are you more like, this is my work time? Like what's, what's your <laughs> ideal? How do you figure that out? How do you make that decision?
0: I think it'd be really fun to have the whole family with me. I think it's highly unlikely. So my wife is a working lady. She's, um she's got a great career uh, of her own. So she's really busy and she works from home. In fact, she worked from home before the pandemic hit. Oh, cool. So that started like about a month before, um, pandemic hit so she was already remote and then ev- literally everybody went remote so she was doing it before it was cool anyway so she's <laughs> she's super busy and i think the idea of taking the kids on the road as fun as it sounds would be just it was be so hard i don't know how i could do it like yeah you're already balancing and juggling so many things on the road as it is i, I don't know if that would work but um it is going to be it's going to look different though i think you know with with two kids in general i don't i haven't had to think about this stuff very much at all besides 2019 when we were touring when we had one kid but now that we have two kids um it just throws an extra wrinkle into it my guess is at least for this year and we'll have to see how it is moving forward is i'll I'll probably do shorter stretches like three or four day tours come back and then do another one next week come back do so it's not as much like i'm gonna go out for a month at a time i'm gonna do more weekends and in fact that actually it works better for us because Um, we find that people are more likely to come out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday anyway. So if we can juggle, you know, the home schedule with, uh, doing some, you know, some great weekend shows, it might keep us from going to, you know, like Europe or, uh, to L it might be harder to travel to California, but we'll still be able to tour. I'll be able to juggle it with the kids that's the most likely scenario. As much as I'd like to just hit the road, like old, like old times with the kids, it's more likely that I'll be doing three or four night stretches and getting home to, you know, be a dad again.
1: Yeah. So career wise, what is it like, what is making it to you? Do you feel like you've made it or do you feel like that's still like, is that an elusive goal that we're all out there trying to make it like, what is making it to you?
0: Yeah, that's a, a really good question, and I don't think anybody has an answer for it, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I think everybody says, you know, you know, you'll know when you made it. But my thought is, like, if you are doing what you set out to do and it's sustainable, that that to me is is making it. Especially nowadays, it's like with music, it's the the landscape has shifted so much that it's it's really hard to know which which way is which. So just surviving and being able to make music and doing what you love. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I'll ever be on the the same level as a, a Justin Bieber, right? But at the same time, that allows me with uh, to have all sorts of flexibility to, to you know to be a parent and to write the music that I want to write and produce the music I want to produce, and I'm not beholden to all these different forces, and I'm not nearly as famous, which is a you know a good and bad thing, I guess, right? Like so, there's right. I think it's so easy to look at you know artists, uh, celebrities, people, whatever, whatever you know eminent people are in your field and say that's yeah you know, that's what I want but you know you got to ask yourself is it really what you want because yeah. there's so much that comes along with that fame and that and that level of notoriety that um I think it's just really easy to say I want to I want to be huge I want to be a star but I don't know if you really would so yeah. I and it's easy for me to say that now I just happen to like the balance I have in my life and so have I made it? I mean, certainly not like <laughs> I like Justin Beaver, but at the same time, I'm doing what I, I enjoy. I get to follow my my muses. And I don't feel like I have to try to please anybody with that. And that is that's a dream come true.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think I understand. Um, I, I understand exactly what you're saying because so many people will be like, Well, you're in in Iowa. Like, aren't you at some point gonna go to a better station? Like they always think that. Because I'm not Katie Couric, I must be very unhappy with myself. (laughs) But honestly, and I'm sure you've done the same thing. It's like you make conscious choices along the way that are taking the big picture into account. For some people, this would not be the life that they choose. But for me, I know that there's a lot of things I would have not had, had I taken that different path.
0: So it's probably saying
1: that I could have been Katie Couric, not what I'm saying at all. Um,
0: You you absolutely (laughs) could have. I won't hear that at all. Uh, or you still could be whatever you want to do. Uh, I I do think there's a lot. So it's probably similar in your in your line of work. But there's a lot of that. Um, people look at you know successful musicians and they expect a certain. If if you aren't doing that, if you aren't uh, on the top forty radio, if you aren't on the Grammys, well, so you're not you're not making it, right? Like that. You yeah. are you haven't found success yet. It's like well, actually, that's only one way to look at it. And yes, of course, that is certainly one measure of success but there's so many layers to it that uh to that lifestyle that you know i don't think people take that into account when they look at like the idea of success would i like to have a song on top 40 radio sure it sounds great but i also love the freedom and flexibility that i have doing what i do right now so there's i imagine there's a trade-off uh, and i'm going to keep writing the best music i can and if something happens in terms of like Global recognition. Okay, great. I'll take it as it comes. But I'm not gonna like try to uh, upset the balance that I have in my life to to go after that. You know,
1: right, right. There's always a trade off. And I mean, so many people couldn't make a career in music at all for a year. You know, right. let alone the years that you've done it. And same with television news. And in some respects, same with podcasting. The longevity yeah. is success in a way.
0: Right, just doing what you enjoy for a long period of time. It is. They're all tough. They're all tough businesses to be in. I mean, there's so much uncertainty. That it's, it's it's difficult to monetize. Oftentimes, uh, you're kind of constantly looking for the next thing, and you got to be you know constantly active. There's no there's no safety net underneath you. So it's a daunting thing that a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't undertake. And again, like I think, at least in my line of work, a lot of musicians would would try it for a couple of years. And if they haven't had a breakthrough where they are, you know, getting into the, the major labels or, you know, they aren't having millions of views on YouTube, they'll look at it as a failure and move on. Uh, I I look at it just in the sense that this, I didn't get into music to to become rich and famous necessarily. I got into music because I, I love making music. Yeah, And uh, I love writing songs. I, I knew I wanted to continue writing and, and making my own music. And I still feel like I've I've been doing it for a long time, but I feel like I'm, I'm just now kind of starting to really learn how, how to do that. And it's kind of embarrassing to say that because it's been like, you know, however many years, but, uh, so I wouldn't want to, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to stop doing that. And I'm glad that I, I'm in a position where I can continue doing it. And I don't feel like, oh gosh, I haven't, you know, uh, you know, I haven't hit the top 40 or whatever it might be, whatever you're, like little versions of success might look like uh i i would i don't get freaked out by that because again i'm i'm achieving the goals little by little that i've set out to achieve i'm doing the things i love to do and i think in a small way i'm leaving behind a legacy by by doing that and creating the creating the music that i really want to create so um as long as i can continue to do that i'll consider it a success yeah
1: do you feel like you do it forty hours a week? Like, like it's, so. Today is a random Wednesday. Like, what would you be doing today?
0: Today would be. Uh, it, it totally depends on what's happening. Like with the album, there was a lot of hours spent uh, mixing, uh, producing, uh, getting that. Because I took just learning the process of, of mixing and producing an album took a really long time. There's also uh, practicing. Kind of, I, I like to keep my piano chops up. I love to work on. Um, classical music like Chopin and Rachmaninoff. I like to continue writing. So I spend time every day doing that. Uh, I spend uh, usually an hour working out. That's kind of an important part of my day. Uh, and then we have, we have rehearsals. Right now we're rehearsing twice a week with the band. I got a show tonight. That'll be two hours long. Yeah. And then there's, of course, there's a social media aspect, trying to create content, create new videos and new clips uh, so it kind of depends on what's happening each week, but there's plenty. Oh man, there's plenty to go around. I'm sure you, I'm sure you know that very well. Yeah. Yeah. That when you're trying to like create your own social media brand, and all that kind of stuff the, the work never really ends. So there's always something to be done. Um, there's the email side of things, uh, you know, lining up shows, there's um, responding to inquiries and comments and all that kind of stuff. And so, so you do
1: that all yourself. You don't have a team doing that.
0: Uh, I don't. I, I did before the pandemic when, yeah. when we when we were booking uh, shows, but then it, it all kind of stopped, and yeah. I had I, I had to let I had to let that uh, go, and I started like, well, I started shifting everything towards uh, how can I do this myself? You know, how can I can I tackle all this stuff myself? And it's been going on well, uh, going okay so far. It's definitely, <laughs> it's a lot to bite off, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it is just a team of one plus my. Musicians, I have a, a buddy of mine who helps me produce the has been helping me produce the album. His name's Justin. Shout out to Justin. Um, but no, it's pretty much just a team of me.
1: Wow. Yeah. And I just yeah, you mentioned it a little bit, but I imagine adding social media and keeping that brand active. That's the one part of my job that I sort of hate. Oh, it's terrible. Well, actually, it's more like a love-hate relationship because it has rewards, <laughs> but like overall I hate it.
0: <laughs> it is it it, it cuz you feel like you're constantly keeping up and it's never enough.
1: Never. Uh, never right. enough.
0: Doesn't matter how many likes you get and doesn't matter how, like it's it's never quite enough and it's it's and that's like the sickness I think that is social media is it doesn't matter how well you do on social media. It's never good enough. And there's always another level. And uh, that's why I I love checking I took about a month break from social media and even posting and uh, it was so like freeing. It felt so healthy Oh yeah, uh, that I I was like, hesitant to come back, but of course you have to, because that's where everybody goes nowadays. And and like you say, it is fun connecting with everybody. Like it it is, there is a, a side of it. That's like, okay, I can see why this is as, popular as it is you know like you get to instantly connect with all your fans your friends and it's a challenge that can be rewarding if you come up with content that you're proud of and then people connect with like my gosh i had a post last week i don't again not a big social media, i don't have a huge following of that but i had a post on um on d-day i posted about my grandfather that i mentioned and um it was a literally off the cuff thing i just i realized it was d-day about halfway through Last Sunday, and well, it was June 6, obviously. But I, I was like, hey, you know, what? maybe I should do a little post, just a little shout out to Papu, is what I called him. He was he was uh, Jim Stopoulos, is his name, but he was Papu to us. And I couldn't find a picture that I was particularly thrilled about posting, so I just found one on Google, which is like the cheap, the, like a total cheat thing. I feel terrible about doing it, but like, I thought that's a good picture of my grandpa. I'll use that one. And so I just I threw it up on Instagram and Facebook and said I kind of gave his a quick story of what he did. He flew. A B seventeen bomber um, over the beaches on D day. So he actually saw the incredible like naval armada going towards the beaches. He said like the entire sea was covered. It was unlike anything he'd ever seen. The skies were covered, and he did uh, he did he ended up doing thirty missions uh, in Europe, which is like the chances of surviving that are right. next next to nothing. The chances of surviving one mission was like I think they put it at maybe thirty percent. Some people will say it's um, Wait, no, I'm sorry. Other way around. The chances of not surviving was 30%. Some people would say it's higher, but the fact is he did 30 and the fact that he, he made it back is, is just crazy. Wow. Anyway, I, I, I told that story online and you know, it was like a normal post at first. And the next morning I'm like, oh, God, hey, Maria, I think this is kind of like, it's kind. I feel like people are kind of connecting to this. It's like been shared a thousand times already. I'm like, that never happens. And um, sure enough, like it, it took off and like ended up getting... 90 some thousand likes with oh uh, and, and like 8000 shares or something I, I was blown away and it was so gratifying to see all these people commenting like you know god bless your your grandfather for what he did and and like having him get not that he didn't get any recognition during his life i'm sure he did because he was a bit of a hero but to see all these people uh, so grateful for what he did those are the those are the good sides of social media and you know getting to connect with the entire world in an instant and, you know, sharing your story that way, that, uh, that kind of makes it all worth it. I think. Yeah. There are well, those moments.
1: Yeah. Well, cause that sounds like it was organic. It was completely authentic and those always do incredibly well, but there's almost like this element of like, even when you're trying to be authentic, you're never really actually authentic, but that yeah. was a moment where you weren't trying to do anything other yeah. than just like this this is it you know this is this is one part of my story
0: yeah that's that does seem to be the case right like it's always maybe this is not always the case I don't know I've only had (laughs) really one post do this but it (laughs) it seems like when people are when they have these posts that that do blow up it's like I never saw that coming I can't believe that happened because it is like you say just like just a genuine unambitious thought and people love just they can feel that or something, you know, I, maybe that's yeah. it. I don't know.
1: No. And then it's hard because the next time you go to post something, you're like, all right, how yeah. do
0: we, how do we recreate how do we, that?
1: How do we, how do we tap back into that? Yeah,
0: no, and I, I, you can't, I knew, you
1: can't replicate you can't. it.
0: I know very well that I, w- I won't, be doing that again, again soon. <laughs> we'll just go back to the, you know, the normal posts, but uh, it was, it's just cool to see that. And it's cool to, uh, to connect to so many people at, at one time and to see your, your grandfather's story, like, really resonate that was that was a neat that was a neat moment
1: yeah that is very cool okay so father's day this upcoming weekend was father's day look like at your house
0: we uh it's a great question i don't know i'm sure my wife has a big thing planned just kidding (laughs) if if you're listening if you're listening dear you you're welcome to do it uh uh, we're actually going to the quad cities believe it or not because we have um my family's still back there my dad's still back there and i think we have a couple that just what what there's like a some sort of family celebration going on, so I, we'll be in the Quad Cities probably playing golf, grilling out, just the classic Father's Father's Day stuff. I don't think there's anything crazy. What about you? What do you have, guys? What do you, What are you guys going?
1: You know, I uh, so bad. I haven't even thought about oh, it. Oh um, Outside of like, I know like what I know what gift I want the kids to to get my husband. <laughs> but I just have not like executed that because I have a baby shower that I'm going to tomorrow, and so mm. I got to think about getting the gift for that, and then I can much. think about the gift. You know what I mean? Like I live my life like three hours at a time. I can't. I cannot more than handle me. much. I cannot that's handle much.
0: And you know what? This is we have a like a letterboard sign on our uh, our hutch right when you walk in the front door, and it still says Happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day is gonna take. It's just way more important. So like maybe maybe they'll switch it to Father's Day like just for the day, and then we'll go back to it. Mother's Day is is the big one. Father's like listen, we're important, but we're no mothers. So as long as you, I think you know, say Happy Father's Day, maybe get him a beer. You're, you're fine. <laughs>
1: That's all good. Grab him
0: a beer from the fridge one time and you're fine.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what else do I have for you. It's interesting though that you say that, you know, the mom, moms are the big one. And, and you know, this is an audience of moms. Uh, what What is it that you think like we as moms or like we as wives should know about like dads and and how you want to be viewed by us and in the mm. home and you know like what, what what is it that this group of moms needs to hear yeah
0: that's an interesting question i mean i i would just start by saying and I, of course i only have one wife uh, so i don't know how it is in every other household but i just marvel at it seems to be pretty universal but she's just tireless i mean like the amount of effort like i talk about how it is, how tar- hard it is to get up in the middle of the night or get up early with the kids and do all she's doing twice as much as me and basically, never complain. We always complain just for fun, but not really. Yeah. Like she she loves she loves doing it. She's got a she's got a job that keeps her busy, and she still has nothing but time for her kids, nothing but endless patience. Like there are times where I want to throw my baby out the window. Sorry, I shouldn't say. that. Just like you're, you're holding it in the middle of the night, and Luke's crying. You're like, I can't handle this anymore. Uh, I lose my patience so fast, and she is the exact opposite. She has nothing but patience and time. So I I just marvel at. Uh, the amount of just love and patience that uh, mothers have. And it, this is something that I think I learned um, just right when I met Kate, I mentioned this before, like not only was she just alert and there, but that that love that you feel is, is, it is a different thing. And you hear about it all the time, like the love of a parent, right? And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, it sounds great. But what does that mean? And then I had a child and you realize just, how deep that is and how important it is probably because those moments, like, you know, they are going to drive you crazy sometimes. Yeah. I think you have to have that built in deep, like unending love to get through the hard times, but it's real. I mean that like the feeling that I got having my having my kids, it's just I didn't realize that it could be quite like that. Like I love my wife, I've loved my family, but the love you have for your child is just different, right? Like it's so unconditional, so deep. So um, selfless, and you know, I, I see that I felt it myself, but I see it through, you know, my my wife's actions with her kids, or with with the kids, uh, even more so. It's just, it really is such a powerful thing that uh, I can't. And again, I can't believe I'm saying these things because if you told me these things before I was a parent, I'd have said, okay, sure, yeah, whatever. But then you experience it and you realize just how real and how powerful it is.
1: No, I completely agree. And I regularly feel that way when I look at my four-year-old, because obviously I don't don't want my kid to think he's more important or better than anybody else. But when I look at him, I, I think in my head all the time, like, I hope you know how unique you are. I hope you know how special you are. And I hope you know that like, That like, I am rooting for you when no one else is rooting for you, mostly just because they're rooting for somebody else in the active moment. You know what I mean? But I just like, look at this little human and I think, gosh, you just don't even know how important you are to me, you know?
0: And that's what makes them special, right? Like for no other reason than they are your child and you are their parent. And that is a really special, special thing. And again, it kind of sounds cliche, but it's not like that alone makes them incredibly special like that having that that place in someone's life is uh yeah it's it's unlike anything else and it it really blew me away when i realized that another unique thing i thought (laughs) and this is something i thought i find this is totally off topic but i thought i was thinking about this today um when my daughter when she was born she immediately immediately we could tell she looked exactly like me and I was i was like that's great that's cool i mean i like that obviously um and then yeah. my son was born and he at first kind of looked like my wife's father but he, every day he's starting to look more like me and i had this theory and maybe this is theories already out there because both of my kids looked like their father is there something to this and maybe you can tell me if i'm wrong or not but you know like for the first however many thousands of years of human life you know up until just recently paternity tests didn't exist, right? Like, so do you think there's some biological trick that oftentimes kids will look like their father just so their father knows that they're there and that they're theirs and they are supposed to stay and take care of them? Is that a crazy thought?
1: Yes, no, I think it's real because I once read one time that there's something about like, like in lions was the example where baby lions look like the the dad lion for that exact reason, so the father recognizes them. And I said that to my friend Casey huh. once. I was like, yeah, "I'm so crazy about these lions," and her answer to me was, "Well, how the heck does a does a father lion know what he looks like?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's a really good point." And so I kind of just like ended that that there, and I don't tell that story anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a good response, but there probably there probably is something to it. I mean, I don't know. Mori <laughs> Povich has not been around forever, right? So we have to figure well,
1: exactly, out exactly,
0: exactly. I, I, so no, I have no I idea if there's any there's truth to
1: it. there's something you know purely biological about about.
0: Yeah, I mean we know.
1: Organizing their children.
0: We know who the mother is. That that part's easy. But sometimes you know before like I don't know. It's just the thought I had, and maybe there's something to it. But either way, I'm not complaining. Like I, I not that I'm like trying to pass on what I look like to my kids. I have no intention right. in that I, I like, and that's another thing like people talk about what gender they want what they want from the kids i have never cared at all like even before we had our first one we didn't have we have a boy and a girl now so it's all balanced out and that's great but like before we had any i was like i i have no control over this i couldn't care less i'm gonna love them the exact same no matter how they come out so i've never really quite understood that but now that they come out looking like me it's um uh It's not reassuring. Like I didn't, I didn't think the milkman had been here or anything like that. So I wasn't worried about it, but I thought it was an interesting thing. I I do wonder if there's something to that theory. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know because both of my kids have and always have looked like me.
0: Okay. See, there you go. My
1: kids do. And yeah. And there was no like rejection, you know, because (laughs) they look like me. I don't know. It's something about the Hanitka genes are, are much stronger. There's, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know. Like my, um, my grandma, we saw her this weekend in in Palatine and she, she looked at Everett and Everett has, he's my two-year-old, he has kind of like longer hair because it just looks really cute on him. And he just has like a very soft face. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, I'm sorry, he looks like a little girl. And I'm like, yeah, and it's not even the hair. It's because he has a little bit of like a little lady face. And it's because he <laughs> looks like me. Like he just... He just has very soft little features and, and so does my four-year-old where their, you know, their noses are just, just, just so and they have, you know, kind of like little like pouty little lips, you know. But, but
0: That'll play I well know, you later put a, though. You
1: put a beard on that face and they'll look like my husband real fast.
0: See, there you go. See, I think that's actually a good thing. Like for a guy, like that will age well, I think. <laughs> like if you look if you're the soft looks like you don't want to like look old immediately and some guys that just look really manly and as like they, when they're young just grow up to look older so i don't think i think that totally plays i think that's a yeah. good thing and um, again like and it's not like if my if my kids end up looking like my wife like I, I, again i wouldn't care at all but it's just you know it's just interesting yeah so you, you never know what you're gonna get uh and it all it all works out in the end but it's just kind of a fun thing to talk about and it's it's really interesting to watch like to see what Traits come through from each parent, like it's just it's like a perfect mix, and you never know what you're gonna get. But it's it's a fun process to watch for sure.
1: Completely agree. How can people find you and connect with you and listen to your music, Tim?
0: Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me. This is uh, it's such a rare thing. Like nine times out of ten, when I'm on Zoom, I'm singing for people. Like they don't yeah. want to talk to me. They just want, just sing for me. Just dance, okay? <laughs> so uh this has been a, this has been a fun uh, a fun hour for me. But if they want to listen to my music, which I I think it's probably better to listen to my music than hear me talk. So check that out at timstop.com, T-I-M-S-T-O-P. Or you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at, at timstop. Yeah. Do you know of Pretty any simple. shows
1: coming up in the Quad Cities?
0: Yeah, we do have one. Um, our first public show back is next month at The Tangled Wood.
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think it's an outdoor uh, garden maybe? Yeah. Garden.
1: Yeah, it's um, a great place.
0: Yeah, we're playing there July 10th. Uh, I believe that's a Saturday. Saturday, July 10th in Bettendorf. So we're going to be playing uh, a bunch of the new the new music. Hopefully, we'll be back, you know, multiple times. Hopefully, things are gonna open again and we can start playing shows and we'll get to see all you guys on the road.
1: Well, I'm hoping this year is like the like the Roaring Twenties all over again, where yeah. people want to get the heck out and do I some think that's fun stuff.
0: Case. I mean, that's the point of the, that's why we got these vaccinations, right? So we can all just go live life live live life again. So hopefully, people are doing that.
1: Exactly.
0: Cool. Well, if you have if you have time, come by and. Uh, All you listeners, same thing. Love to see you.
1: Thanks so much to Tim for an awesome and really fun interview. Um, So I decided to dig up some actual science or some actual research about the whole dad's babies look like lions thing. Okay. All right. So there's an article in The Atlantic, okay, from 2019. The headline is, The Myth That Babies Look More Like Their Dads. Okay. So I'm just going to read some passages. Okay. Okay. That children look more like their fathers is a common idea. In 1995, two researchers set out to determine whether it was, in fact, true. Neutral judges were shown black and white pictures of one-year-old children's faces and asked which of three given adults the kids most resembled, either three men or three women, one of whom was always the biological parent. The children were determined to look most similar to their biological fathers. Indeed, one interesting result of this research is the finding that a father's perception of whether a child resembles him can change based on the amount of time he spends with the child. Another study found that after fathers did a massage exercise with their infants, they rated the infants as looking more similar to them. There's also the concept in another article that I read about, is there an evolution, as Tim pointed out? Is there, is there a reason why babies might look more like their fathers or the fathers might want them to look more like them? Okay, so um, here's from another article. This behavior has its roots in evolution, the researchers suggest in a new study. Those fathers that perceive the baby's resemblance to them are more certain the baby is theirs, and thus they spend more time with the baby. Evolutionary theory predicts that parents will spend more time caring for children who are genetically related to them, thus upping the odds that those children grow up, have babies of their own, and pass on their genes, the researchers wrote. By contrast, by evolutionary standards. Investments in unrelated children are deemed wasteful because they reduce investment in genetically related offspring. So yeah, there's a little evolutionary portion and there's also, um, you know, just like a, a perception and, and, and a connection um, that parents feel with their children that kind of makes, makes you feel like they look more like you. So anyway, kind of cool. Um, I did Google like lion's lions and fathers. And all that came up was a bunch of articles about Mufasa and Simba. So that was not what I was looking for. Um, So to be determined, if you are a researcher out there who, um, who has done some work on this, call me. You guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of On a Mother Level, episode 85. We have a huge library. I hope you will check out some of our other episodes, two more episodes in the dad series that came before this. Next week, we'll get back to some great moms. I can't wait for you to meet my guest next week. She firmly believes that more needs to be done for moms in their postpartum days. And she is creating a place for you to get... The attention that you need, especially when it comes to pelvic floor therapy, and that is coming to the Quad Cities, and so you'll want to pay attention to the Instagram for updates on that episode. You can follow along at On A Mother Level, see some preview clips of Tim Stopp's new album, Silver Lining, that is on his Instagram, at Tim Stop. and you can check out that concert coming up in the Quad Cities next week. I definitely think I'm going to go check it out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of On a Mother Level, and thank you to the dads who have lent their expertise, because no matter what here on this podcast, we try to show you that when it comes to parenthood, we can relate.
0: You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.